0: So, welcome home. How's everybody feeling? We, we made it, and, and I, not just welcome home, like welcome back to Miami for those of you that drove like 45,000 hours to get to Atlanta, or drove to Orlando, and they were like, wait a second, now it's coming right here, and uh, some of you flew to other places, some of you fled the country, some of you stayed here. Um, welcome home, not simply just to, to Miami or to Brickell or to your actual physical home, but welcome home. Uh, to this church and to this church family. I want to just say before we get started, we, we get going, um, this has been communicated via email and social media, but if any of you here still have any needs, uh, please let me know, let any of our deacons know. Uh, we are here to, to serve you. We are here to come alongside of you, and so many of you have been doing that throughout this past week. And so I just want to encourage you that don't be hesitant, don't be shy. If you need some help cleaning up at your property, if you need anything at all, come reach out to us. Uh, we would love to help you. You know, Irma was uh, a destructive s- storm. It was a scary storm because it was about the size of the United States yeah. um, <laughs> as it was coming forward. I'm looking at this. I'm like, this is like perfect storm in the movie, but like looks worse, you know. And it's coming, and and as it was creeping up on us, right? There was panic, and there was fear, and there was anxiety, and it seems like everything was put on hold. I mean, I want you to imagine the week before when it came. And what it was like, you know, like the beginning of the week, Monday, Tuesday, you're thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, there's a hurricane, it's a category five, it's huge, it's monster, it's scary. But, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, Wednesday hits, and you're like talking to people in your office, and, and like, that's the only thing you can think about. You're tracking the storm like every single second. You're like, me, meteorologist, why can't you let me know exactly where it's going? And then all of a sudden, Thursday, everyone's like, I'm out, you know, like, and then some of you stayed, and you're like, I don't know why, but I'm staying, you know, and you're hunkering down and all the group texts are happening and you're looking at hotels and you're looking at like, Orlando hotel prices like phew, 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 keep going up, trying to figure out a flight. Your flights, can't. I mean, everything just got thrown out the window. All of your plans, all of your schedule, you're thinking, I'm going to the beach this weekend. You're like, no, 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 I'm going to Universal. That's where we went. I mean, that's where, I, mean I don't know how we got there, but that's where we were. And, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's crazy what happened. You know, one thing I think that's evident Um, That came out from this whole experience, this whole ordeal as we're coming back and we're getting settled is that this church right here is family. This church is family, guys. We talk about that a lot. You know, we, we speak about it. We use that language. But this past week, it was evident. I mean, I've, been on, I've never been on more group texts in my life. I mean, so many group texts. And all the conversations that are happening, everyone's checking in with each other. How are you doing? Are you safe? You're staying back. Are you crazy? Okay, we're glad you're staying there. Are you alive? You know, like all these texts that are happening, people are, are, are communicating. And is everyone okay? And, and how's, it ha- how's everyone's house? How's their property? How's the drive? I mean, so much conversation was happening. You know, one of our deacons, uh, Tim Perry, he, uh, he got a call that there's a family here that um, is known by another family in our church, and they couldn't get into a shelter. And they had, in their family was a woman who was 36 weeks pregnant. And so Tim is in Orlando. He opens his home to this family he doesn't know that are staying there. And I told him, I also, this is um, funny to me, not funny to him. I told him, you know, hey, Tim, you may have a child born in your house because the barometric pressures of hurricanes. And he, like, his face turned white. Like, I don't know if he thought about anything else. But he opened his home to strangers that couldn't find a place to stay. You know, so many of you on these group texts and all this throughout this conversation, you were opening up your homes and you were saying, hey, if you don't have AC, we have an extra place to stay. I heard a lot of we have an extra place to stay. We have cold AC and we have cold beer. I heard that a lot, you know. But so many and people stayed at different people's homes as you were trying to figure out how to, where to stay. And you, you have no power. There were so many other things that happened, too. Um, some of the people were driving around after the storm this past week with chainsaws. And we don't know if they know how to use chainsaws. Um, but... People somehow had them, and we're cutting things down. I know Brandon, like, that's like his second job now, cutting down trees and chainsaws. Um, There's a crew of men that came out here on Wednesday and cleaned up this whole place. We were on the roof trying to fix the roof. Michael Hughes was up there, and he was, like, investigating it. There's actually a hole in the roof where the AC is, and, and it was filled with nasty water. Michael was in there. And I was like, you have fun, man. I'm going downstairs to the debris. But people were here cleaning up the church, and we were the men were gathered here. Josh Anderson also, one of our deacons, he's been reading this article about how the the elderly care facilities and nursing homes here were overlooked uh, on the power grid. And so so many of them have been without power for five, six, seven days. Some of them are actually currently still without power. And so he followed up, actually, with the reporter that sent us to this person. And somehow we got connected on Facebook with this woman named Patty. Um, and Patty was bringing food, uh, hot meal and hot food and water to all these elderly residents that hadn't, been, hadn't had a hot meal in five, six, seven days. And so we had a crew impromptu. They got together on Friday and went and served a meal to about 100 or so residents at this one elderly care facility. Another group of you went out yesterday to another facility to serve a hot meal to uh, the elderly that have been without one. And then there's been so many people that have just been emailing and saying, I'm here to do whatever. I'm here to help. It's been so encouraging to realize that what we say in the fact that this church's family has actually proven when it was needed most. You know, as, as the pastor of this church, I've never been more proud of this church. This church is awesome. And you guys are awesome. You know, Irma brought destruction. But this church decided to stand up for Redemption. And not just this church, right? It wasn't just this church. wasn't just Crossbridge Brickle that was looking to redeem broken things and to begin to clean up and to care for people that were without. But all the churches all across Miami have been stepping up and has been collaborating together and working to help restore our city. And not just in Miami, but also in this state and in this country. And in the world, churches have been gathering together. There's a, new, a Washington Times article that came out that said that the church... And nonprofit faith based organizations are outpacing FEMA with relief to Irma victims and Harvey victims. Awesome. The church and faith based organizations are outpacing the government. And that is incredible to be a part of this church family, but also to be a part of the larger church family. Something happened. I think that that was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> But it's been incredible, you know, to be to be here and to be with you guys and to see the church bringing hope and bringing peace, not just supplies. Right. The church as the church comes and brings supplies to people. It's not just supplies that are being brought, but it's the gospel that's being brought and hope and peace in the midst of hopelessness. And we're launching a new series tonight. It's called Overcome. We're going to be trekking through the life of, of Jacob starting next week in the book of Genesis. But tonight we're going to park on the kind of core verse that supports this entire series and why we've entitled it Overcome. And what we're going to see through the course of this series is that peace and hope can be found in the midst of suffering and hardship and tribulation when you focus on Christ and who He is and what He's done and you find strength and power in Him. Here's the verse of our series. It says this in John 16. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace and in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Hold on, I have to take this off because I like to move a little bit more and you know, I feel like stuck here. Is that awkward? Is like real quiet there for a second. So let me read that again. It says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Right? In, in tribulation and in suffering, Jesus is saying here as he speaks to his disciples, he's saying, in suffering and hardship and tribulation, you can have peace. You can find hope. You can find victory. You know, these things resonate with our heart, right? They resonate with us. The, we know that we're going to face tribulation. We know that we're going to face hardship. We know that we're going to face suffering. And the idea, the understanding that we can find peace, that we can take heart or take hope, and that we can overcome is really encouraging. Maybe you've been praying for peace, right? You've been praying for peace as you've been battling anxiety and and you've been battling fear and you were concerned when you left for your possessions and for your car, for your home. Maybe you've been praying for peace as, as you've patiently waited for your AC to be restored, right? Maybe you've been praying for peace for those that have lost possessions and homes and cars. We think about those in the Keys and the islands especially. Maybe you've been praying for peace for those that have lost loved ones and friends and co-workers. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine just a little over a week ago, everything was normal. Everyone was going about their lives. They were going to work. They were doing what they normally do, thinking about what they're going to do on the weekend. And all of a sudden, their friend or their family member, their co is gone. They're gone. I mean, the article that I read this week in the Miami Herald there was a, at least 11 men and women in an elderly care facility here in South Florida that, that died because there was no AC. And they were stuck on their floors and they couldn't get out. I mean, can you imagine hearing, getting that phone call that your grandma or your grandfather has passed away because a storm wreaked havoc and AC wasn't being able to be restored? Currently right now in Barbuda, the island, there's not a single living person there. The entire island, not a single living person on that island. Now, a lot of them evacuated but this storm has brought loss of life, but it hasn't only brought loss of life, it's brought loss of possessions, right? Homes and cars and houses. And typically our mind goes to that, right? You think about my if my couch is destroyed, my electronics, if my car, if my home, if my roof, it's going to be really inconvenient, it's going to be expensive. But I think one of the things that I've been contemplating this week that I just can't even imagine is that you're returning to your home in the Keys, you're going back to your home in the islands, and that stuff is going to be Wiped away and destroyed, but what's harder to lose are those things that matter just to you and your family, the pictures that have been destroyed, those trinkets that you bought on a trip that are gone. I mean, can you imagine that? Like, this storm has brought loss to so many people, thousands and thousands of people. And when this happens, right, when storms roll through you feel small and powerless. Like we can board up our homes, maybe you have hurricane impact windows, maybe you have shutters, maybe you're able to evacuate and get somewhere safe, but you feel small and powerless because there's nothing you can really do to stop it. I mean, if if damage is going to come, damage is going to come. You can't stop it. And Jesus is saying here, That in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of those moments when you feel small and powerless, when things are coming at you that you cannot stop, you can actually find victory, you can overcome, you can find peace and hope. But in order to process what this actually means, right, you have to kind of understand the context of John 16. So so Jesus has been speaking with his disciples now for a little while, and he's been speaking in parables, which had to have been very frustrating, right? He's been speaking in parables and figures of speech and they're trying to figure it out and they don't understand and they're trying to, to grasp what he means. And then he says this to them. He says, listen, in a very short time, I'm going to speak to you plainly. Like I'm not going to need to speak in figures of speech anymore. And then he tells them why. He says, because I'm not going to have to go to the father on your behalf because you are loved by the father. And he tells them why. He says, you are loved by the father and you're going to have full access to the father because you believe in me, and that He sent me, you believe that I'm the Son of God. I'm the Savior. I have come to redeem you and to save you from your sins. And because you believe in that, you're going to you're going to experience the love of the Father and have full access to Him. You're not going to need me anymore. And I'm actually going to go return to the Father. See, if you're a person of faith, um, you've experienced this before. You know, sermon illustrations are really helpful. They help you to understand God's love and and put your mind and and the hooks of your mind on certain things. And it encourages you of God's love and his faithfulness and his goodness. And when people share life stories and they they talk about how God has worked in their life, the faithfulness and the goodness and the mercy and grace of God, it's really encouraging. It's a really important aspect of the Christian faith, right? Because it builds up and encourages your faith, but it doesn't hold a candle to those personal experiences that you have with God's love. Right? When when you have actually experienced the the really tangible as is as if you can feel it, his love and his mercy and his goodness in your life. Because you have full access to the Father. Those times where you've been praying and you've been pleading to God and you've been asking him to intervene in your life in these different ways, and he actually does. And then he does something that way better than you ever imagined, and way way better than you were actually asking for. I mean, those are powerful moments. When it seems like everything is crashing down around you and things are falling apart and then yet God comes in and he begins to give you strength and peace and you never thought you'd have peace and yet you're finding peace in the midst of suffering. Those are powerful, powerful moments. And Jesus is saying here to his disciples, as he says to us, he says, listen. The time is coming, right, when I'm going to return to the Father. We know in in, in just a short time, Jesus is going to go be crucified. He's going to die for the sins of his disciples and die for our sins as well. He's going to be buried. He's going to come forth from the grave, and he's going to ascend back to the Father. And Jesus is saying this. He says to his disciples, as he says to you and me, when that happens, you are going to understand that you're loved by God if you believe in me. And you're gonna have full access to the Father. You're not only gonna have access to me, but also the Father. And he says that it's it's gonna be better than if you were speaking to me face to face. Like it is better than what is happening right now for his disciples, as they're having a conversation with Jesus, God in the flesh, because when he ascends to the Father, you are going to have full access to the fatherly love of God. Right? That's quite a claim. But that's really difficult for us to process and to believe, right? You think to yourself, like, um, I think speaking to Jesus face to face would be better. Like that sounds, but Jesus says the opposite. He says that in this time that we are living, when you have full access to the Father through faith and belief in Jesus Christ, it is better because you have access to both, and you can experience the love and the goodness of God. But what happens in our lives, right, is when storms roll through, both physical storms and figurative storms. And we begin to feel small. We begin to feel powerless. We also begin to doubt. Raise your hand if you've ever doubted before. All right, I'm going to ask everyone to raise their hand. Raise your hand if you've doubted before because every single person here has, right? Some of you have not verbalized it. Maybe you're, you're, you're scared to verbalize it because you think it's wrong and it's bad. But every single person here has doubted. I've doubted. And especially when storms roll through, we doubt, Right? physical storms and figurative storms because we ask questions like this. God, why? Like, why couldn't you have just taken Irma and just shifted it out to sea, where it hits nobody and just swirls around? I mean, I believe that you're good and you're loving. But I don't understand how this is good and it's loving. I mean, I'm reading articles and I'm talking to people about the loss that they're experiencing and I don't get it. See, storms cause us doubt, And there's a lot of physical or philosophical arguments that are helpful. And and one of my favorites ones is by Alvin Plantinga. And uh, he says this. He says, listen, just because you don't see a reason for why God would allow something to happen doesn't mean that there isn't a reason. And here's his example. He says, imagine a tent, okay, like a tent about the size of this room. And I say to you, hey, will you go inside the tent and tell me how many St. Bernards you see, you know, the dogs with the big barrels around their neck. I don't know what they do, but they have barrels around their necks. I want you to go in there, huge dog. I want you to count how many St. Bernards you see and then come out and tell me. So you go in the tent, you look around, you see there's six St. Bernards. One, two, three, four. Okay, it's evident there's six. You come out, you say there's six St. Bernards in there. He's like, correct. Now I want you to go back in and I want you to tell me how many noceums do you see? If you've been to the beach and you've been in Miami for a long time, you know noceums, right? All of a sudden you leave the beach and you're like red all over. Was like, what was that? It was a noceum. So, you go inside the tent, right? And you're looking around and you're, you can't see any noceums because that's the point why, that, that's why they're called noceums. And you're looking and you come out and you say, There's none. There's no noceums inside the tent. But just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not there, right? That's why they're the most annoying animal of all time. I don't understand their purpose. They just bite you and you cannot see them. You can't even swat them like a fly. And he says, just in that same way, just because in your finite mind you're not capable of seeing a reason, doesn't mean there's not a reason. The reason, the the reason that God is is allowing something or withholding something, may be not as much like a Saint Bernard, and it may be more like a Noceum. You're not capable of seeing it. You know, but these arguments are helpful. They give us some, our minds, some places to put hooks. But. When real suffering and tribulation comes through, they do very little, right? It's cold comfort. We have to be honest about that. Because you're like, God, I, you're, you're a good father, and I got the philosophical argument. I understand the rationale, the reason, the whole thing, but it's breaking down right now. I don't understand the reason. How can there be a reason here that you would allow these things to happen to so many people, And I've understood something about God's fatherly love recently that I never understood before because now I'm a father. And uh, maybe you've met Roman. Love that little guy. Uh, Two years ago, I never understood this, but now I do. You know, as a father, I will do things that Roman does not like, right? I will take things away or I will not allow him to do something that he wants to do. Like he has a small toy or a small thing that he could swallow and it would be very bad. I take it away and he looks at me. He's like, you're mean. What's wrong with you? He's upset at me, right? He always wants to jump fully clothed into the pool. Always. Like, that's not a good idea, bro. You can't swim yet. You know? And I'm not even in the pool. So I grab him and I take him away. And he cries and he's upset. It's not easy to make those decisions, right? As a father, I know that he thinks I'm being mean. He thinks I'm being cruel. He can't understand that what I'm doing is actually good and is actually loving. And yet, I will make that decision... And I will do that thing that is going to make him cry and make him upset because it is good and loving. And see, God our Father is the same way, right? He will do things that are good and is loving even when we, in our finite mind, cannot understand how it could be good and loving. Even, and it's not easy for him to do that because he loves his people. And when he sees us cry, when he sees us break down, he sees us question and doubt it's not easy for him. However, he will always make that decision. Always make that decision. And yet God doesn't only leave us. You know, I, think it, I think it broke. Yeah, We can open the doors if you want. You want to open those ones? And then you could open those ones over there. Irma can't stop us, guys. But God the Father has not only done has not only revealed his fatherly love to us in these ways, but also in the most tangible and the most palpable way, and that's this. He sacrificed his son for you and for me. I mean, think about that. He sacrificed his son. See, you can question God's reasons. It's okay to doubt that, right? It's okay to have a hard time understanding why God would allow something to happen because your mind is not capable enough to understand or to see his reasons. But what you cannot question is God's heart because God got involved, right? Here's what God didn't do. He didn't look at you. He didn't look at me. He didn't say, listen, you made some bad choices. You chose things that are not good, They're not according to my plan, they're not according to my will, and you've actually rebelled against me for the majority of your life. So listen, here's the situation. Um, You're going to have to uh, figure it out on your own. You're going to have to figure out how to Make it on your own, you know? You're going to to struggle and, and suffer the consequences of your own actions. He did not do that, right? God got involved in our life and in our situation. I was thinking about this. that God took upon himself the consequences that we deserve, which is death, right? And he gave us the blessings that we don't deserve to receive. So you can question his reasons, but you can't question his heart and his character because God sent his only son to be sacrificed, To take what you deserve and what I deserve, which is death, and yet to give us what we have not earned, which is is life. And Jesus says to his disciples here, he says, Listen, you are going to know and you're going to experience a love that is more powerful and is more deep than even talking to me face to face because when you come to believe in what I'm about to do, as i've gotten involved in this situation and i'm going to lay down my life and take upon myself the sin and the shame and the death that you deserve and i'm going to take payment for that and that i'm going to rise to life and to offer you grace that you might receive life you are going to have full access to the father and then he looks at his disciples as he's speaking this to them right before our our key verse verse 33 and he says this do you now believe that's a question he asks all of us. Do you believe that? Because he says, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. He looks at his disciples. It must have been difficult for them. He says, listen, the time is coming when I'm going to go to the cross. And you're going to forsake me. You're going to run away. You're going to hide in your homes because you want to save your own skin. But it's okay because the Father is with me. And then as you begin this journey of faith, as you go out from this moment, and this is, this is to us, right? Because we are living in this time, as we are walking on this side of the cross. He says this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world. See, we live in a time of tribulation, a time of anxiety, a time of doubt, a time of suffering and hardship. And Jesus is saying to you and to me, in this time you can have peace. Not manufactured peace, right? Not peace where you're like, okay, if I accumulate enough resources and enough possessions, I can have peace. Not peace where you think to yourself, okay, if I just organize my schedule better, then I'm going to have peace. Some of you are there, right? Not peace where you think, okay, I'm just going to try to like, read a bunch of books and try to figure out how to deal with all my philosophical arguments and all of my doubts and then I'm going to have peace. But real, true peace that is found in Jesus Christ. And he says, he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, listen, if you come to me, you will find peace and hope in the midst of hardship and suffering because I have overcome the world. Amen? Can I get an amen? Yes. Oh, I like that. Or maybe you were saying this, amen, right? You're like, amen, because I, I get it, right? I'm, I'm reading the passage. I understand what you're saying, Carter. And, and I, I mean, peace in Christ and hope, and he's overcome, and he's got, has got involved, so he loves us, even if I don't understand the reasons. But I'm still struggling with like finding peace and hope in the midst of suffering and hardship. It's not like that easy just to say amen and it's okay. Paul gives us insight in our verse, our second verse tonight in Romans 8. It's one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. He says says this, something very perplexing. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. Listen to that. For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. You see, what he explains in this chapter is that all things are being redeemed. All of creation is groaning for redemption. That creation was actually not made to destroy life. Irma is a product of a corrupted creation. Creation was intended to sustain life. It was good. And even creation itself is yearning for its redemption because God has promised to redeem all things. And part of his creation is us, right? And we are yearning for our redemption. We don't have to look too deep into our heart to realize that. There are demons that plague you and you want to be redeemed from them. There are things that you are struggling with and you are suffering from and anxiety and fear that you are feeling and you want to be freed from it. There are things that are happening in your life and the lives of others that you want to see release from. You want to see them overcome and you want to see it no longer plague them. We know that this is true. It's deep within our heart. And Paul says that I don't consider the sufferings of this present time worth comparing to what God is going to do, to the glory that is to be revealed. And he explains in Romans 8, and he says, here's how I know that, because the Spirit searches my heart. You see, here's the beauty of the time that we live in now. We have full access to the Father because of faith in Jesus Christ and the relationship that we have because of what Jesus has done for you and for me. And the Spirit of God is living and active inside of us, and it reminds us of the truth of who God is. He comes to help us in our weakness. He comes to remind us that God could actually be working good in something when we don't understand how. He comes to remind us of his love and his peace and his goodness when we are not feeling it at all. this is what Paul is speaking about. He comes to let you know that your hope and your future is secure and it is set, and what you are facing currently is not because God is judging you. That he is actually a good and loving father, even when it's hard to see what he's doing. See, this reminder and this faith and this truth, it brings peace, right? Because Paul says, if God did not spare his own son, why would he not withhold? Why would he withhold good things for you? If God sacrificed Jesus for you, why would he withhold good things for you? It doesn't only bring peace, but it brings power because Jesus has overcome all things. He has conquered all things. You see, the peace and the power that's found in the midst of suffering and hardship is this. Romans 8, 34 through 39 says this. Now in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That we will overcome because Jesus has overcome. That we will conquer all things because Jesus has conquered the grave. And then Paul says this. I love this verse. Because I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor hurricanes, I added that, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that? That nothing, nothing that happens can separate you from God's love. That brings peace, and that brings power. And see, one of the things that is is difficult for us is when we face tribulation and suffering, our first reaction is to think that we can overcome it on our own, right? Our own strength, our own power, and here's how you know that. When things begin to break down, when you come back from the hurricane and you're looking at the debris and the damage, and your, your first thought is this, how am I going to overcome this, right? Who do I need to ask to come help me You only, we begin to think in such a small way. And listen, we should be engaged and we should be involved as you guys have. And so many of you have done so much and we're going to continue to do more to care for those who need restoration and redemption and and to see broken things come to be made whole. We need to be involved and active in the things that are happening and the brokenness in our life and the lives of others. But there are things that we cannot overcome. There are things that we can't stop. It's not possible. And First John reminds us of this. First John 5, 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So this is the precious nature of, of our faith. If you have faith, you understand this. You've experienced this, that when there's times in your life where there's no hope, God supplies hope. When you're in the midst of suffering and hardship and there, there's no peace, God can supply peace. When you feel like you're in a situation that you don't know how you're going to conquer it and how other people are going to conquer it, and what are we, God comes in. And he's faithful. He brings people around. He rallies his church. Your faith reminds you that nothing that happens can separate you from God's love. And what is awaiting and what is coming is not worth comparing with what is currently being suffered. We just sang a song where it says, we will overcome. It tells us how, right? By the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony, which is faith. We will overcome how? Because of what Jesus has done, and because of our faith in what he's done. And so here is very simple, as we launch our series, as you begin to cling to faith, as you begin to move through hardship and suffering, and as you come to bring hope and peace to those that are also suffering, those that are also struggling with the damages that have been inflicted upon them from this storm. Two things to remember. Cling to your faith, and the strong love of God. And if you're here tonight and you've been resisting that, I just want to encourage you tonight, let go. Because nothing can separate you from the love of God, not even yourself. Because the Holy Spirit will come in and remind you of the truth of who God is. So cling to your faith and the strong love of God. Will you pray with